Hello everyone, really nice to see you all here. I really appreciate the efforts everybody makes to get here, both in their time and finances. And, uh, and for those of you who come for the first time, your bravery in coming as well, because I, I know it takes a lot of courage to come something new, where uh, you, you know, you're with people who don't know you and your credentials aren't known and you may uh, be embarrassed or show yourself up or all those kind of things that we fear. So I'm really glad to see you here. Thank you. I, um, I thought I'd start today with something I cut out from the paper thinking about this, um, this retreat, uh, uh, the title of which, is, as, as always on these retreats, uh, Ken chooses. And I'd like to thank him, where, oh there he is, for his pungent and coruscating and penetrating talk yesterday, which uh, set us all going, I think. Uh, uh, a mixture of joy and despondency. <laughs> At the potential and the reality. Here you go. Anyway, I don't know if you saw this, it was in the, I don't know which paper it was in, but it was... Um, there's a lady who's a palliative care, an uh, Australian nurse in a hospice. And over the last 10 years, she's recorded the, all the various regrets of people in the hospice who were dying. And she listed the top five regrets. And I thought it'd be really interesting in this context just to read you the top five regrets of people on their deathbed. Uh, as a either as an inspiration, <laughs> uh, but uh, the, the, the good, you know, I mean, the, 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 there's nothing here that's, 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 that's sad. It's all stuff that we all really know. But I think it's a good uh, reinforcement of um, our wish to practice. And of course, by the very fact that you're here is indicative of the of of of, of, of each of us's wish to uh, to to take. Uh, not control is a long word, but take charge of our lives, if you like. So anyway, here's, here's number one. Here's number one. I wish I had had the courage to live true to myself, not the life others expected of me. That was number one. Uh, this was the most common regret of all, when people realise that their life is almost over and look back and see how many dreams had gone unfulfilled. And that the, the choices they had made or not made. So, had the courage to live a life true to myself, not the life others expected of me. Many folk feel that they're leading lives that are, uh, are led by the expectations of others, and it doesn't necessarily mean family or you know your mum, your dad, or your children or your spouse, but. Uh, just in a general public way, you know, how we conduct ourselves, how we are, are we, are we, do we feel free? Or is our behaviour conditioned by, uh, by doubt or fear or the wish to reinforce that side of ourselves that we, that we feel uh, good about and we want people to acknowledge that? All these, all these different ways are ways that we live our life uh, subject to what we hope will fulfil the wishes of other folk. Number two, I don't know how many of you, you all, you don't look like a hard-working lot to me, but number two is, I wish I had worked, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Okay, I wish I hadn't worked so hard. This, interestingly enough, uh, was almost always men who said this. Uh, 
it's what she said, all of the men I nurse deeply regret is sp- spending so much of their lives on the treadmill of a work existence. I don't know if that resonates with anybody. But I wish I hadn't worked so hard. Pardon? Won't be one of yours, okay. Now here's one that's relevant to, to, to this, to, to this uh, the, the theme of this retreat. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. I wish I'd had the courage to express my feelings. And uh, what she says was, many people suppress their feelings in order to keep peace with others. As a result, they settled for a mediocre existence and never became who they truly were capable of becoming. So I wish I had the courage to express my feelings. So just bear that in mind when uh, uh, when you're in a situation in which you need courage, and uh, go for it. Yeah, <laughs> express them. Now uh, this one is less uh, less uh, emotional in a way. I wish I had. I wish I had stayed in touch with my friends. I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. But that's interesting. That's number four of the most common wish. I wish I'd stayed in touch with my friends. And the fifth was, and I think this is really, this is a really important one. I wish that I, I had let myself be happier. I wish that I had let myself be happier. That's fascinating, isn't it? I mean, why would why why wouldn't we why wouldn't we allow ourselves? Isn't that what we would really like to be happy? Why wouldn't we allow ourselves to be happy? But it really resonates, I'm sure, for us all that why why haven't I allowed myself to be happy? Anyway, some something to think about. I'll, I'll leave them on the. If you, if, you, if you want to do some homework, I'll leave it on the table out there. You can, you can have a look and uh, check it out. So, stuckness, stuckness. I'm going to read you a, a poem which you, you know, that any of you who've been in the practice will be familiar with, and you'll, you'll wonder perhaps why I've chosen this poem uh, about stuckness, because it doesn't seem particularly relevant at first, and it's called Ordinary Mind is the Way. Ordinary Mind is the Way. I'm not going to read you the poem, I'm going to read you the story of the poem. And uh, I've got the stories written down. Somebody's used Chinese. And I, I don't know if there's anybody... I know Tony's comfortable with Chinese translations, but I, I prefer the Japanese names, like uh, Joshu and Nansen, rather than Chiaochu and Nanquan. <laughs> it's a bit more hard to say, so I'm going to use Joshu and Nansen. So this is the story. N- Joshu and Nansen were together. This is when Joshua was a young man and he went to visit Nansen. And Joshua, of course, is famous in later life for, 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 for some of the best koans, particularly Mu, which everybody works with to, when they begin their practice, if they work on koans. So when Joshua was a young man, he went to visit Nansen. Joshua was very serious about practice. He asked Nansen, what is the way? Nansen said... Ordinary mind is the way. Joshua asked, Shall I direct myself toward it or not? Nansen responded, If you direct yourself towards it, you will betray your own practice. Then Joshua said, 
if I don't direct myself towards it, how will I know the way? Nansen replied, the way is not a matter of knowing or not knowing. If you actually reach the way, if you actually reach the Tao beyond all doubt, you will find that it's as vast and limitless and boundless as outer space. What could that have to do with affirmation or negation, with right or wrong? Immediately, Joshua had a great awakening. So it's a nice ending to the story. In his commentary, Mumungan says, Although Joshua had a realization at this time, it took him 30 years to confirm it. It took him 30 years to confirm it. Now, there's two things in this column that resonate for me. I just wonder what, what other things that perhaps resonate for you in this. I mean, basically he's saying, you know, if you go for it, that's wrong. If you don't go for it, it's wrong as well. He's saying, it's, but when you do find a way, it's vast and limitless. And I, I, for me, that's, that, that, I'm not, this isn't what strikes me, but uh, I just wanted to say that to put this whole thing into context, you know, all our doubts and worries and fears. Uh, for me, sometimes what I remember is that we're on a very small planet, which is rotating, it's a slight angle, around the sun, which is in a very minor corner of a minor galaxy. <laughs> <laughs> with more galaxies than grains of sand and we occupy a mere dot on that tiny world you know, our, our concerns and our doubts in this context are not that significant <laughs> although for us obviously they really feel it but sometimes just to lessen the impact of that it's worth remembering <laughs> that you know, finally it's vast and limitless uh, anyway, there's two two points in the cone that, that uh, resonate for me to do with this with to do with this workshop. Uh, I wondered, uh, uh, anybody, any strike for anybody? I'm sorry, I spaced out when uh, two or three phrases of it. Yeah. Would you mind reading the bit again? Reading. Would, would you mind uh, reading the again? Oh, it's it's quite long. <laughs> it's quite long. Basically, you say the ordinary mind is the way. But you can't go toward ordinary mind and you can't stay away from it either. So how do you manifest this ordinary mind? And then Mumenkan's commentary is that although Joshua had a great realisation, it took him 30 years to confirm it. Or shout, yeah. Okay. Miranda? Yeah? Miranda? Um, it's just, for me, it's about uh, do I act or do I wait for it to happen? Yeah. Uh, and which is what you were talking about, um, were you? Yes, yesterday, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was. You were? Yeah. Um, and... Um, that's a lot of what, what it's about, what yeah. the problem is for me. Yeah, yeah, good. Andy? My, my thought is that um, he, was stuck for, he was stuck for 30 years. He was stuck for 30 years, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. The, 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 certainly that's something I wanted to talk about, yeah. That's one of the points for me. That it took him 30 years to confirm it, yeah. That sort of resonated with me, can I? 
you can have an important experience in your life and yet still go on seeking yeah. and yeah. push it to one side yeah. and say there must be something else perhaps mm. and keep looking at yeah. it yeah thank you so yeah to, so two, two things really ordinary mind is the way and what is this ordinary mind how come if this ordinary mind is the way given that we're all uh, relatively ordinary <laughs> Why, 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 isn't, why, why do we find the way difficult if ordinary mind is the way? And secondly, why did it take him 30 years to confirm it? Uh, so, I'll come back to the ordinary mind. But the 30 years, I think anybody that's been in this practice for any length of time, and for folks that are new to the practice, let me say that, it's, that we're always returning to, to beginner's mind. So all of us are stuck, in, relatively stuck, in different places. You know, whatever our capacity, you can be sure that the universe will use that capacity to the full, and you'll still be left with a dilemma. You'll still be left with something that needs to be done, something where you feel you may be stuck. So it's it's it's, it's a constant uh, um, rhythm, if you like, or pattern for all of us of grasping and letting go and grasping and letting go and the more you're in the practice perhaps the easier it becomes or the more quickly you realise you're grasping and then you let go but other than that you know, what happens is we keep holding on to something it's really difficult to completely let go we even hold on to the idea of letting go <laughs> you know, we think that letting go will be the full you know, will be the solution we completely let go but you know what happens is that we come back and grasp again so the practice is a continual realisation a continual realisation and the realisation is that uh, is that we're not separate so the grasping is always about being uh, uh, attached to something something that the small self feels is it's due or that it wants uh, or that it feels that if it had, it would be settled once and for all. If I just had this one thing, I would be settled. And that's the kind of grasping. And then there has to be the letting go of that. So, you know, our practice continues uh, uh, endlessly, really. Because finally, it's not graspable. We want to grasp it, but it's not graspable. And if it was graspable, um, lots of people would have already grasped it. <laughs> <laughs> and they tell us how to do it but it's not graspable and this is the deep frustration for the small self which wants to feel safe you know, it wants to feel safe it wants to feel that there is finally some place where it can stand and uh, and for that reason you know, we, we imagine that uh, impermanence is our enemy in fact, it's our freedom. Our, 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 our enemy is greed, anger, and ignorance, <laughs> which is what causes us suffering. <clears throat> yeah. Anyway, what is this ordinary mind? Uh, I've just written down here three three things that people. Rinsai said, "Ordinary mind, just be yourself with nothing further to do." To make work on the outside is to be a blockhead. 
or you just be yourself with nothing further to do. Okay for Rinsight to say that. <laughs> Thanks for that. Thanks for Rinsight, yeah. <laughs> and Dogen says, the mind of the Buddhas and ancestors is drinking tea and eating rice. Drinking tea and eating rice. I think we've talked about drinking tea and eating rice. It sounds really simple. I mean, you know, it's just a matter for drinking tea and eating rice. It's a metaphor for uh, appreciating and, and um, really engaging with, with the ordinary, the ordinary every day. You know, can you, can you eat rice and, and, and drink tea and feel, this is amazing? <laughs> this is really strange thing to be able to do, to be on this earth drinking tea, eating rice. How lucky am I? Uh, or are you thinking actually uh, I would have preferred more milk or more sugar or it's the wrong type of tea and the rice is slightly overcooked and I wish it was more spiced and you know so ad infinitum can you drink tea and eat rice pardon exactly yeah yeah you, you could be something else it could be uh, whatever it is that you normally have as a regular food. Is that what you meant? I mean, what I meant is for some for some people maybe maybe in Somalia right now. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. I completely agree with you. Yeah, yeah. I understand what you're saying. Yeah, yeah. It all depends on the level of... Yeah, yeah. I mean, all these things are, are all uh, relative to our particular situation. Yeah, but uh, I, it, pardon? And is it possible to get outside the outside of mind? Is it possible to get outside of the mind? No. Where are you going to go? <laughs> Show me. I'll go there. I'll join you. <laughs> Have a rest. Is that ordinary? It is a lot of the time. Okay. What do you mean by ordinary? Do you think that when uh, Nansen said ordinary mind is the way, Emma, do you want that? Uh, you might not. But when, uh, when, when, when uh, Nansen said ordinary mind is the way, do you think that he meant day to day ordinary mind or kind of, you know, every day on the bus, in the tube? I think that's what I'm asking. Okay. It can mean, sometimes it seems to mean Buddha mind, as in big mind or something different. Yeah. And sometimes it seems to mean accept how you are with all your faults. Yeah. Yeah. And that's kind of what my question is. Yeah. Why is yeah. it just this tea is cold and I don't like it? You know, it's, it's a fascinating question, and, and um, I had been going to talk on that today, but I thought I'd talk about it on Thursday because I wanted to talk about stuff that was relevant to, to, to what Ken talked about yesterday. But this whole tension between um, everything is fine and I'm perfectly okay as I am against actually I'd like to change and I'm ambitious and I want to do this in the world and I want to do that how do we come to terms with those two views uh, so it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a good question 
But can I save it till Thursday? Okay. The point of using the market courses for other people's benefits we can't hear as well. So could you just give us a, a slight couple of seconds to get the mic to you and just hold it about here or I'm switching off. Okay, thank you. Okay, sure. Thanks. I feel like I should be doing a bit of karaoke. <laughs> <laughs> I'll spare you that. Um, just uh, something that occurs to me while you're talking is some of this in terms of ordinariness and to me uh, one of the things I liked having looked at, uh, been interested in Buddhism but looked at different um, schools was an emphasis more on the everyday and is some of this about the little things matter and about, is some of it about habit so if we're talking about the rice and the tea, yeah. uh, you know, appreciating that rice and tea, um, some of it can be a habit to actually, to have that mind of appreciation, or What's you it? could develop maybe the habit of being dissatisfied. Sure, definitely, it's, it's, it's something that you can cultivate, this appreciation, and uh, I think I was talking with Tony yesterday, I mean, the, I think for lots of us the thing that we find most attractive about Zen is it does make the sacred out of the ordinary. It doesn't make it something different, it, and it's just, our, you know, our ordinary, what we're all able to experience and participate in is the sacred. It's not something that's, that's separate from us and out there. So, and, 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 <coughs> It's an interesting point about cultivating it because what, one of the points of service, one of the points of form in Zen, uh, which people bang up against and don't like when they start to practice, is it gives us in a kind of small scenario way a, a vehicle to demonstrate our appreciation of the ordinary. So, you know, we, 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 we say, uh, you know, we, we offer incense, we, offer, you know, we have candles, we have flowers, and we, we offer them. And they're just ordinary things. And so it gives us the opportunity to practice this appreciation uh, of the ordinary. So that, you know, the service and, 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 and uh, what in other situations we're not so strict about is about form, is about this. And, and it can be cultivated. So thank you. It's a good question. Thank you. Um, the thing about... Uh, the, the thing, the point I wanted to make about ordinary way is is something that um, uh, what I've written down is that deep down we want we want to know we want to be we want to have something we want to hold on to something we want to be somebody we want to we we want to have comfort any time every day. And we go to all kinds of lengths to create a situation in which that will be possible. You know, we can have what we want, we can be comfortable. Uh, but, Dogen says, be blocked by the way. Be blocked by the way. What he means is that this blocking is part of life, it is part of the way. Being stuck is part of the way. It's not something we can avoid. It's not something we can, you know, escape from. Uh, it's not something that we need to be uh, resentful of or uh, feel we're different because of 
or that we're a failure because of uh, everywhere we look we're going to be blocked you can't escape it so when he says be blocked by the way he, may, he means be the block that is the way you know, be whatever it is you're stuck with uh, and all the efforts that we make to separate ourselves from the painful things in life are, is actually the process that causes us the trouble <clears throat> when we try and escape from these things. So, for example, when, you know, like you, I mean, I, I think that, uh, not different from you yesterday, when uh, Ken wanted us to do this exercise, you know, what arises in me, and I'm sure, in, you know, and I know in all of us, is a kind of resistance. We, we, don't, we, don't, we don't want to be putting on, you know, we, see, why are we sitting here in this place all together talking about what could be miserable and upsetting and sad when we've got lots of other things we could be doing in our life, you know, and getting on with. Why are we doing this? You know, and this, these are the doubts and questions that arise for us all, particularly if you just started the practice. And so, you know, when we, when we actually have to put them on the table and then manifest them and express them, we have a resistance to that. But a real freedom comes from being willing to do that. You know, it's a bit like uh, some people are really good house cleaners. You know, the spring cleaners that uh, what uh, my ex-partner Annette used to call they're deep cleaners. You know, they're real deep cleaners. They get down there, they move the chairs, and they get everything out the way. You know, and there's others who are kind of don't move the chairs and don't take the curtains down, and after about five years, when you look under there, it's horrible. You know? There's all kinds of bad dust and grease and under the chairs. It's terrible. This is what happens when we keep all this stuff under the table. You know, our, our stuff, we keep it hidden. And um, it's actually a kindness to let people uh, in on your inner life. It's a kindness because we then discover that it's not just me. You know, it's not just me that's got this. It's 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 not it's not exceptional. It is okay, you know. Uh, and that's what Sangha's you know, that's why Sangha's fantastic. Sangha gives us the opportunity to be with people like minded who are willing to to not only put up with us but encourage us to spill the beans <laughs> that we've kept hidden for so long. Uh, yeah. what, was, what was the title again? Pitfalls pif, Pitfalls on the way I've, So I've had I've put in it Pitfalls of boredom and torpor How do you say that word? Is it torpor? Is that the right way to pronounce it? Spiritual torpor Boredom and apathy <laughs> Who suffers from spiritual torpor Boredom and apathy? <laughs> Join the club Sometimes it just gets us old Doesn't it? We're, you know, we're in the desert, particularly if we've been practicing for a while and we've had uh, some clarity, some opening, some understanding, some sense that maybe I've now finally tripped over something that will allow me to uh, lead my life in a more easeful way. And then suddenly it stops being like that and we think, you know, and, uh, what are we going to do? We're in this spiritual desert now. Do I carry on with the practice or do I stop? Um, You know, when our lives feel monotonous, repetitive, they make no sense, you've tried everything, 
still you feel stuck, nothing works. <laughs> so we start to look outside usually at that point. You know, it's either friends, family, uh, the job, I need a new partner, I need a divorce. <laughs> so we look at all these things and then finally, if we're in the practice, and finally, you know, and what's good about Sangha is we're encouraged, we think, oh, now's the time to turn my gaze inwards again. Turn the gaze inwards. What is it in me that's causing these conditions to arise? What is it in me that's creating this environment in which I don't feel complete, I feel there's a lack? And then, you know, and, and then the dilemma is how do we find the energy when we're, when we're in this place to make the change, to make the move? It takes energy to look inside. <clears throat> and particularly if we're, you know, if this small self were really fed up with it. We'd really like a rest from it, you know, it's bloody nuisance. It's never happy, it's never settled, what we've got to do. <laughs> this is where, you know, I've just put down, I can't offer you a panacea or an, an elixir of, 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 you know, when this arises, each of us finds our own way through the desert. You know, that's, what's, that's, that's the other thing about this practice, you know, finally it is about self-responsibility. We do have to find our own way. I think I was saying to somebody the other day that, you know, fast food is always going to sell better than food you have to cook in your own kitchen, but it's not, finally, it's not as satisfying. And, you know, look, there are traditions and paths and ways which constantly tell you how to lead your life. And they're popular. <laughs> because how wonderful if somebody was able to tell you how to do it, you know. But finally they can't. But ordinary life, ordinary mind is the way. One antidote is offered by this cone, which is to really um, focus on the mundanities of your life. Just focus on the mundanities. You know, does the house need cleaning? Do I need a haircut? Do I need a good bath? <laughs> you know, do I need some exercise? Am I eating properly? All these kind of mundane things, ordinary mind is the way. You can really use them. You can really just surrender to the place you're in. Uh, I don't know whether this is resonating for people, whether I'm just talking about myself, but, you know, uh, uh, I think we all sometimes get into these places. <clears throat> Another way out of this is to, is to encourage and help other people. I know that's, you know, it's usually often the back page of of the magazine on Sunday or whatever, you know, this is to encourage and help other people. But if you're part of a Sangha or even just friends, you know, how can I, you know, forget about your own issue? How is there anybody around that needs some support that could do with a call? Uh, are there any elderly people nearby that could do with help? Uh, because even me now talking, even this Dharma talk, it's not, I mean, I hope that it encourages you, but it also encourages me, you know. So when we encourage other people, we, it's a way of encouraging ourselves, and it's helpful. Uh, and the, the, I think the most important thing for me, though, which I think is lacking, uh, and, and I see it, I have more opportunities to see it because, you know, because of doing interviews, 
is that we need to be more friendly to ourselves. You know, we need to befriend ourselves and think of ourselves. How would, if somebody, you know, somebody else came along and was, was, uh, was in a difficult place, how would we be with them? We'd be kind and supportive, and yet, often we discover that we're not to ourselves. And so when we find ourselves blocked or stuck, it's okay. You know, it's okay. Uh, forgive yourself, and uh, it's not a failing, it's not a weakness, it's just part of being alive. And the other thing I've written down here, which I think is important uh, to try and bring to the practice, is a softness or a pliancy uh, to relax a little, to stop being, you know, if we've got rigid views, rigid views about what's right, what's wrong, our expectations of people, our expectations of the world. We can soften up on that, you know. Pliancy or softness is a really nice thing to bring to bear, to bring some more lightness into your life, a more gentleness. Uh, um. And finally, I, uh, you know, finally, we have to, uh, having been friends with ourselves and having been kind, uh, sometimes we have to be quite stern with ourselves as well and tell, tell ourselves, Get a grip, you know. And I've just written, there's a story here when a Bud, the Buddha encountered a woman who had lost all her presence of mind after enduring enormous suffering. And the Buddha said to her with great kindness, Sister, regain your state of mind. <laughs> but sometimes we have to say that to ourselves, you know. Sister or brother, regain your state of mind. We do have to also bring some discipline to bear. So it's a kind of mix of being both kind and, 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 uh, and firm with ourselves. Um, so, um, and you know, and, and we all do have the ability to do this. We all finally do have the ability to do this. I don't know if, if, if any of you that have um, had to deal with children who wouldn't, you know, didn't want to eat their food or whatever. And that used to send Devona, my stepdaughter, out into the corridor and into the, into the hallway and tell her to regain her composure and come back in and eat. <laughs> and I used to think it was really unkind. <laughs> but in fact, it worked, it worked a treat, you know. She did, she regained her composure and came back and joined us for food. So... Yeah, you can regain your composure and rejoin your life. I don't know what time is it? No, 22. Okay. Sorry, I've been... Any, 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 any questions or views or uh, feedback? Yeah, do you want, do you want this, this mic's quite good, thank you. It allows me to hear. Yeah. I used to say... Just to say about ordinary life and ordinary yeah. mind, I think one, one of the things I get from coming on session, despite all the resistances and not wanting to come in the beginning, is um, that ordinary things do seem more vivid and wonderful. Yeah. Now, I don't quite know why this is, but it's definitely effect of session. Yeah. And during and afterwards, of course, unfortunately, it doesn't necessarily last. No. That's one of the issues, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but ordinary things become more vivid. Yeah, and, for sure. And, and I 
think that fits with what you're saying, you know, to, to, to focus on, on on the ordinary things and not yeah. just want to be somewhere else. I think this is one of my stucknesses, is, yeah. is wanting to do two things that are mutually exclusive <laughs> yeah. and, and um, getting quite yeah. screwed up about it, yeah. which is ridiculous in a way, and I kind yeah. of know it's ridiculous but I keep doing it, yeah. you know, wanting to do... Um, and, and if you can just think about and do one thing, yeah. at least you've done that one thing. And that's just a very ordinary, everyday thing, isn't it? It is, yeah. yeah. And it's a good point you raise about, because um, although this, you know, what I'm talking about and what Cam is talking about and the work we're doing is really important, uh, we, we also shouldn't lose track of the fact that this practice is about accessing that place. Uh, which uh, just uh, 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 something written by Trungpa he says you know uh, I'll shorten it despite all we've talked about there is a basic state of mind that is clear, pure and natural and the realisation of this basic state of mind is what this practice is about there is a place there is a place of clarity a ground of being in which uh, as you say, there's a vividness to life, and we, and you know, we can experience it. And it is an inspiration. We can't be there all the time. It's just one side of, you know, one one, one way of being alive. But uh, session and concentrated practice does give us the opportunity, uniquely, because not everybody has this opportunity. You know, I me mean, maybe poets, artists, people in uh, have the chance to experience this this. Uh, other aspect of life, the great life, the universal life, the ground of being. So Shin gives us that opportunity, and it can be an inspiration for the rest of our lives. I don't mean for the rest of our lives, but the rest of our life, you know, our life outside of Sashin. And we, we should not lose sight of that either. Thank you. Sort of following on <clears throat> to that, um, in the Koan, it said Joshu had an experience of this um, ordinary mind. Yeah. Um, and so he had an experience of that, and then it took him 30 years to confirm it. Did he say confirm it? Just don't know, I've, I've, I've written it down somewhere. What, what, did, he, did he say confirm it? What? That's what I thought. Yeah, it was yeah, you're right. I had a realization of this time, and it took him 30 years to confirm it. Yeah. Um, yeah. I just wanted to know a bit more about that because if you have an experience of it, what's it mean to take time to confirm it? Oh, do you mean your 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 belief or sense would be that having once had that experience, that would be it? No. Oh. <laughs> um, I mean, what 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 does that mean? Why? Well, do you mean practically? What did it? Why did it take Joshua thirty years? Because. To, what does it mean to confirm that experience? For it to be rooted in his daily life on a day to day, on a moment to moment basis, you know, twenty four seven, it's with him. It doesn't slip away. The sense of separation that we all feel finally 
closes so that there's no separation. He's just completely being Joshua, you know, unselfconsciously understanding that if somebody else, I mean, I'll tell you really, uh, 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 there's a cone that kind of, it sounds a bit obscure, but it's just come to my mind, I was reading it yesterday, about Joshua. Joshua is not feeling well, and it's a snowy day, and he lies down in the snow, and another monk comes over and lies down next to him. Joshua stands up and walks away. Now, what the cone's about is the monk is confusing being one with Joshua. You know, he goes and, he goes and lies. But Joshua doesn't want to be one with at this point. Joshua wants to be lifted up out the snow because he's cold and he's ill. <laughs> so, you know, the monk's failed, so Joshua stands up and walks away. So, to actually confirm it and for to be no separation finally is, is that whatever we do, is appropriate to the situation without, you know, we don't have to think about it unselfconsciously we act and that's not easy, you know it's not easy for any of us and that's, that's like the, um, the gradual process of enlightenment as opposed to the sudden, I mean that seems to have the sudden element. you know, I don't, I don't think there's any differentiation between the two the sudden arises out of hard practice and the sudden is necessarily followed by practice. The two aren't exclusive of each other. They're just different ways of approaching it. You know, the two different temperaments. I mean, some people, you know, have a... They really... they really. Some people want to give themselves absolutely, totally to what they're doing. And that's the kind of inside way. But it doesn't mean that having achieved what they've achieved, that it's rooted in their bodies. It's really embodied. Then you've got other people who, you know, who want to take it slower, who are a bit nervous, who don't want to dive in, who, whose hair isn't on fire so much. I mean, like I've told you before, you know, I mean, I'm, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a slow burner. I crawled up and had to look down the hole of, you know, the black hole and backed off fast. I thought, no, I don't want to go down there. <laughs> if I'm going to go down there, I want to have a bit more experience and feel a bit stronger and, you know, and know what it means. Some people will dive in. Off the, off the board other people want to put their foot and their hands in the water to see how cold it is first <laughs> you know, we're all different and there's no right or wrong to any of the ways that we find to practice the only thing I'd say is find the way that's appropriate to your nature so, if, so you at least feel in line with yourself you know there's no forcing there does that make sense? yes yeah, yes. yeah. Thank you. Thanks. And as Ken said yesterday, you know, I loved it. We're not we're not all spiritual athletes. You know, some of us aren't even fun runners. <laughs> we're all just doing our best. You know, our intentions and our sincerity is not in question. That's really worth remembering. However, we manifest it. I believe in everybody's sincerity and intention is the best. Oh, the mic. Thanks. Yeah, I'd just like to say what an absolute joy it's been to hear that. Oh, thank you. <laughs> it's totally joyful because, you know, it's 
Yeah, yeah. Well, you've done your time. You've done your time. Yeah. Um, yeah. Still, you know, and the shoulds come in, don't they? You know? Pardon? The shoulds come in. Oh, I should be. Yeah, you know, yeah, after, after yeah. After I this time. That is such a relief. Thank you. So, thank and to me, thank you. I should say that we we, we, we we met yesterday in an interview room and realised that we'd met maybe 40, I don't, it must have been 40 years ago when Bag Rajanath, uh, when Rajneesh uh, Orange Centre opened in Liverpool. I think it was the only city where it failed. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Too many folk like us, finally. It's tense to, I could embark. What I I had planned to do uh, was to say that, um, and I I won't now, Uh, I'll leave it open because it's quite a a piece to engage on, and maybe do it on Thursday if I can fit it in, was I really wanted to look at the very basics of what this practice stands on. Because without, a, I mean this is personal for me, because to take, to take the seat, you know, to take this, there's a real paradox in taking a seat of being a teacher, in that you take the seat and you have to accept the responsibility of taking the seat. At the same time, there's nobody, I, I suspect there's nobody, and I would sus, I'd be suspicious of them if they were, there's nobody who takes the seat who doesn't also have doubts. But the doubts, the, the, the ground on which you stand has to be firm. You have to really believe in the process of, of what this practice is about. And, and the reason I believe in it uh, is that Buddhism differs from most other religions. I mean, obviously I don't know them all, but it's not, be- it's not based on revelation. It's based on human experience. And the Buddha wasn't interested in, you know, in, in, uh, <clears throat> in all the metaphysical things that arise for us. He was, he was interested in only two things in a way. How do we relieve our own suffering and how do we relieve the suffering of other people and find the path to happiness and peace? That was the simple essence of what this practice is about. And, you know, we stand on that ground, that's, that's what we're all about when we're in this practice, then, you know, that's a fine place to be. And, you know, it, it, but, but honing it down to really the bare bones of why are we in this practice seems to me to be quite important. So I, did, I was going to talk about the Four Noble Truths in a very brief way of how I now understand them. And it changes, you know. But as I say, we, we, we don't have time. So, but I would I would recommend that alongside you know our day-to-day practice and our emotional awareness and our emotional development, that we do also look at the at, you know at, at some textual stuff to give us some sense of where we're standing. Because that that's also an interesting area to look at that, that I know that I can ignore. Yeah, you know, like the texts of what did the Buddha actually say? What did he? What did he actually say? You know, and what are the commentaries on what he said, and what are the repercussions of that? You know, what is impermanence? What what that, what, what is emptiness? Why do people talk about emptiness? Emptiness, empty of what? You know, these are really interesting questions. Yeah.
I'm just wanting to say, uh, in reference to that, and the question from John before about uh, taking 30 years, well, my understanding is the Buddha took a further 40 years to teach, but also to continue his own practice. Yeah. And I, I guess the problem for us is, as we've mentioned yesterday, is in this tradition, particularly in the Rinzai tradition, mm. Is the grasping mind really likes the idea of a one-off thunderbolt that, yeah, yeah. that solves your whole experience of life? Yeah. Um, but um, of course, that's a, a delusion as well. But I wanted to just ask you about one of the things that I get stuck on this sort of thing of practices ordinary life is ordinary mind. If, you, if, if I say, well, part of my ordinary mind is being angry. Uh, It won't be okay though, you'll suffer. (laughs) Pragmatically, it's it's only about pragmatism. I mean, of course, if you wanted to be greedy, angry angry and and ignorant, you're fully entitled to be. Whether you want to carry the consequences of that is also up to you. (laughs) Sorry, John, I'm not being personal to you, you know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. In a general sense. Yeah, I mean, you know, there's nobody up there that's going to, there's nobody around and about going to make you pay for what you do, except for yourself. Yeah. But yeah. I raised the question. And other people, uh, yeah. Sorry, sorry, I raised the question. Yeah. Uh, just purely in the sense that it, it, it's often easy to fall into that trap. Oh, it is, all, yeah, yeah. Ordinary life means all the, all the stuff that I do badly is actually okay as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, the 1960s, laying back Zen, yeah. it doesn't matter. It, it, it is a trap yeah. and my assumption is that nobody in this room is going to fall into that trap <laughs> ok, you sure? it's just that that really resonates with me too because it, it sounds like what you were saying we were going to talk about on Thursday is this alright or do I need to change yeah. it's all it's attention. It's, it's a real tension. Yeah. Should I be trying to be different? Yeah. Or should I just be different in my yeah. advice? Yeah. yeah. Or is that the problem? Um, it's, it's, it it's a, it's a, it's a, it's an, an alive and knotty question for us all. Yeah, I agree. You know, do I change and how do I change? Do I need to change? I just, I, I wanted, I, I'd forgotten to say, but with reference to all this, I don't know whether anybody's, I, I wrote a short piece uh, that I, we sent out on, on, uh, on the mailing list, and I want to emphasise that what this is all about, and what Ken was talking about yesterday, is a flip of what we normally think about. You know, we, we, we talk about bringing everyday practice, we know we talk about bringing practice into our everyday life. Much more important and much more relevant is to bring our everyday life into practice. That's more important. You know, bring the crap into practice. Don't be trying to take, you know, blissful happiness and goodwill out into your life. <laughs> you know, well, you can if you like, and it's, it's good and, and, and it will work, but, you know, don't think that all that rubbishy stuff going on out there is not to do with your practice. That is your practice. 
you know, we all live in a we all live in the world. Uh, I think uh, Trump has just uh, published a book called Sex, Work, and Play. And sex, work, and play is the practice. In whatever proportions you want. <laughs> okay. Are we do- oh, sorry, go again. Oh. Just had breakfast in Sandler's room. He's packing up his bags, and I said, Well, Dave, what on earth are you going to concoct for them today? And uh, we both felt thinking the problem of thinking about a different Dharma talk each time, when it's always the same Dharma talk. Mm. And to see what a relief it is <coughs> to have each of us giving the same Dharma talk. <laughs> <laughs> and I like your reference to playfulness. You see, with these yeah, talks, with these ta- I like your reference to playfulness, because with these talks, there's a lot of both of us give a lot of stuff. A lot of ideas and that kind of thing. But ultimately, what we're trying to convey is an atmosphere, a feeling. And I think that that thing is, is playfulness. Playfulness is really what it's all about. Mm. Uh, fooling about. People will say, well, you're not taking it seriously. <laughs> That's the point. And uh, in the long time, uh, they now be together. Um, What's linked us, I think, and comes out in our view of the practice is playfulness. Mm. Playful. That's the ultimate, the ultimate thing in, in Zen. Just riding easy. Follow your nature and accord with the way. Saunter along and stop worrying. Very nice. Thank you, Ken. <laughs> Very nice indeed. <laughs>